what is the purpose of doing good deeds for others? Why do we do good things for other people? While you're pondering that question, I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts. We're in a sermon series through the book of Acts. So grateful for Pastor Candace's message last Sabbath. It was a blessing to my heart. But Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. Acts chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer, at three in the afternoon. Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said to him, look at us. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said to the man, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. They recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While the beggar held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Men of Israel, why do you stare at us? Why are you so surprised? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, and you disowned him before Pilate, though he had decided to let him go. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that a murderer be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. By faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Jesus that has given this complete healing to him, as you can all see. Now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance. This is verse 17. As did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets, saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out. That times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that, that he may send the Christ who has been appointed to you, even Jesus. He must remain in heaven until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. For Moses said, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from among his people. Why do we do good deeds for others? What is the purpose? What is, what is 
What is the impetus behind, behind serving and helping others? What we see in the passage I just read is an act of disinterested benevolence. An act of good, not for self. But it's not the disinterested benevolence that is being practiced in 2021. The disinterested benevolence being practiced in 2021 is far different than what I just read. Let me retell the above story in the context of our modern understanding or our modern practice of disinterested benevolence and see if you pick up on the differences. One day, Peter and John were, were going to church to spend some time in prayer. And there outside the church was a man who was, who was unable to walk. He, he had been that way since birth. And family would bring him to the church and set him outside the church so that they could, he could ask the members for money. He would beg. When he saw Peter and John about to enter the church, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, look at us. So the man expecting to receive some money looked at them. And then Peter said, money I do not have, but what I have I give to you. And then Peter paused. And then he whispered to John, John, should I, should I mention Jesus? And John said, no, 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 no. I I think that might be a little too pushy at first. Remember the great Francis Assisi quote, preach the gospel at all times and if necessary, use words. And then Peter said, I don't think he actually said that. And John said, you're right, but it sounds good, so let's just go with it. It's non-offensive to anybody. Let's just do good for the sake of doing good without offending anybody or being too pushy. So Peter looked back at the man and he took the man's hand and somehow the man was able to get up and walk. And, and he went into the church and he was jumping and shouting. And people were looking at him and they recognized him as the man that normally sat outside and begged. And they, they wondered how on earth did this man suddenly become whole? And so they surrounded Peter and John. And all the people were astonished and they came running around Peter and John and surrounded them. And when Peter saw this, he said to them, my fellow Israelites, we are just here to serve. We have no agenda. We want our kindness to speak for itself. And no matter who you are or what you believe, we want you to join us in doing kindness. And hopefully in time, our good deeds will rub off on you. And your good deeds will rub off on us and maybe we'll all be better off somehow by osmosis. You hear the difference in the stories? I was reading a book recently in which the author said the goal of good deeds, this was a Christian book, the goal of good deeds should not be to see anyone converted. We should do good just to spread love. And then he quoted 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which I believe strongly in. If you, if you have the gift of prophecy, if you can speak in tongues, if you, can, if you can perform miracles, but you have not love, you're nothing. I agree with that. But, but this person wants to throw out the, the prophecy and the, the witnessing and the, 
and the miracles and just share the love. This author's point was this, that doing good with no strings attached is disinterested benevolence. Doing good without interest for the ultimate result, just so long as the people feel loved and valued. Or as writ was written in Ministry Magazine all the way back in 1972, at that time during the social gospel movement, the idea seems to be, this is a quote from that magazine, the idea seems to be to create the impression that you are primarily humanitarian, not concerned with any religious aim, or in fact anything save what you are doing for their welfare, social or physical. We are living in a time where there's a renewed vigor in social justice. And I think you know me well enough to know that I believe in those things. I, I preached on, on, on caring for our brothers and sisters this summer. I talked about the social L's that were going on in our country, even just as recently as this past summer. But is that really the type of disinterested benevolence that the Bible teaches? Are we just to do good for the sake of doing good with no no motivation to convert. No, I don't believe so. What the Bible teaches is not a disinterested, in other words, in, in a long-term salvation or conversion of humanity. The disinterested aspect that the Bible teaches is disinterested in ourselves receiving any of the glory. In fact, when this phrase came about back in the early 1800s and, and moved into the time of our early pioneers, the disinterested was not disinterested in the end result, people's lives being changed and them coming to salvation in Jesus. The disinterested was that we do not receive the glory. If you have a Bible, you can flip with me to the book of Hebrews chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 5, verses 7 through nine. This is speaking of Jesus. During the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with loud cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And once made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. I like that in verse eight. Though he was a son, or there's this one version that says, son though he was. In other words, even though he was the son of God, in other words, he was God also, God himself, Jesus, he learned obedience, he learned submission, he was disinterested in who he was, he was disinterested in himself. Why? Because his sole interest was that people would see the Father through him, this is Jesus, would see the Father through him and would receive eternal salvation through his death for all who obey him. Jesus' disinterested benevolence was about putting himself aside for the sake of others. It wasn't about not caring about the end result or not wanting people to be converted or caring whether they were or not. Jesus' disinterested benevolence might best be summarized actually in the book of Philippians. In the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6 through 8. 
who being in the very nature, this is speaking of Jesus, who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. Even death on the cross. Now I left out the preceding verses of that text, but I'll come back to them in a minute. But, but I want us to ponder first this picture of Jesus. Jesus' good works, his submission to God the Father, his willingness to become a human, his good deeds on this earth, all were for one thing, so that he could become the Savior of the world. His good deeds were for the sake of the salvation of humanity. His submission to God, although he was God, he, in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped. But rather he lived his life doing disinterested good for others, so that he might give salvation, so that he might become the source of salvation for humanity. Jesus' good works were not cloaked. They were not simply to make people feel better in the here and now. His good works were not simply just to make sure that people felt some sort of value and love. Jesus was disinterested in that he was not absorbed with who he was, but he was benevolent to have the opportunity to say to the people, come follow me. He used his good works to call people to follow him. There's a quote that people like to uh, share from the book Ministry of Healing, page 143, in which it says, uh, Christ's methods alone will not fail. Jesus mingled with man as one who desired their good. He fed them, clothed them, and then he bathed them. Then he called them to follow me. And in Philippians chapter 2, just before those verses that I just read, it says this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. This is verse 3. Rather in humility, value others above yourself. That's the disinterested part. That we value others above ourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Well, what was Christ Jesus' mindset? He was disinterested in himself, in himself receiving the glory, in himself getting the credit. All he was interested in was the salvation of humanity. He did this good so that people would be pointed to Jesus. Disinterested benevolence. Why, why do we do good deeds? We do them so that we might tell people about Jesus. That's the reason. Even if someone doesn't want to hear about Jesus, should we still do good? Absolutely. But we don't say, I've done good, therefore I've done my task. No. We're like Peter. The moment he recognizes that his good deeds has brought attention, he turns and says, let me tell you about Jesus. Back in the Adventist Review, then known as the Review and Herald, the lone lady amongst the founders of the Seventh-day Adventist Church wrote this, A consistent faith is rare among rich men. Genuine faith sustained by works is rare. But all who possess this faith, all who possess this faith, listen to this, will be men, and we would say women, 
who will not lack influence. They will copy after Christ in that disinterested benevolence. Disinterested benevolence. Okay, she's saying they will copy after Christ in disinterested benevolence. Well, what does that look like? Which is the interest in the work of saving souls. Disinterested benevolence is interest in the work of saving souls. The followers of Christ should value souls as he valued them. Their sympathies should be with the work of their dear Redeemer, and they should labor to save the purchase of his blood at any sacrifice. What are money? What is houses? What are lands in comparison with even one soul? What is Ellen White writing here? She's saying disinterested benevolence is not about money or just doing work. It's not about just doing good deeds. Disinterested benevolence is having an interest in the salvation of mankind. All our good, all our good money, all our good works, all our good labors for the interest of saving souls. Which is why the story in Acts chapter 3 isn't Peter doing good and walking away without saying anything. It's not Peter saying, well, I did good. I don't want to be pushy. I don't want to force Jesus upon anybody. Peter shows disinterested benevolence in this. He says, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we had made this man walk? He's saying, don't look at us. We did this good deed, but, but this isn't about us. This isn't about me. This isn't about John. And then Peter immediately points people to who it's about. It's about Jesus. He says, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through Jesus that has completely healed him, as you can all see. Peter doesn't dodge who he and John are. He doesn't dodge who, uh, what he and John are about. Over and over again, we are going to see this in the book of Acts. And actually, if you go back, you'll see the stories of Jesus in the Gospels as well, illustrating the exact same practice. Good works led to Jesus saying, now come follow me. Good works by the disciples in the book of Acts and by others in the book of Acts lead them to having, opening up the opportunity to say, now let me introduce you to Jesus. Our goal in doing good actions in this world is not to bring glory to ourselves. And it's not simply to be good humanitarians. It's not simply to just be good neighbors. We do good so that we have the opportunity to give Jesus the glory and say, I do all this because I want you to know about Jesus. I want you to know about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, when you do something good and someone says, thank you, that was so kind of you, take that moment to tell them, well, it's not me. I have to tell you that Jesus has been so good to me. I can't help but be good to others. When you, when you help someone and someone says, why would you do that? Say, well, because Jesus has done so much for me. He died for me on the cross. He died for you on the cross. When you're out and about and, and you give someone money and they say, oh, thank you, thank you, we'll say, hey, 
Thank Jesus. He's the one that gave me all that. You may say, well, that's in people's face. Brothers and sisters, the people came around Peter and said, what, what, what made this happen? And Peter could have said, you know what? Hey, we're just here to do good. No, Peter paused and he said, we did this because of Jesus. And by the way, let me tell you about Jesus. And he went into a whole sermon. Maybe you want to practice that doing good sermon. I'm not saying that you be obnoxious. I'm just telling you, be genuine and tell people why it is that we do good. It's because of Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I want to be like Jesus, like the apostles, to look for opportunities to do good. And then when I do well, when I do good, to, to turn all attention from myself and say, I do this because of Jesus. We live in a world where people don't want us to say those things. Where they want us to, to be disinterested to the point that we say, let people figure it out on their own. Hopefully someone will come along at some point in time and tell them about Jesus. But right now it's just about doing good. Brothers and sisters, the time has come. And we'll talk about this even more next week's or in our sermon in a couple weeks. But, but in this type of world, in a pluralistic world, when we have opportunity to do good and give glory to Jesus, let us be a people like Peter and say, why are you looking at us? I only do good because of Jesus. My prayer for you this week is you'll have opportunity to do good. And when someone says thank you, they'll say, don't thank me, thank Jesus. That you'll have the opportunity to be kind. And when someone says, man, that was so gracious of you, you'll say, because Jesus is gracious to me. Brothers and sisters, let us practice benevolent or disinterested benevolence. All the good so we can say everything about Jesus. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for how good you are to us. That though you are God, you do not consider it something to strive to be equal with God, but you humbled yourself. You became like a man. Why? So that you could die for us, for our salvation. As we read in that quote from, from the Adventist Review many, many years ago, all mankind should practice disinterested benevolence, which is having the interest in the salvation of souls. Lord, help us. Help us in this world in which we are being told more and more to not be too pushy, to not be in anyone's face. In, in a sweet, in a, in a gracious manner, help us to do good and then to be willing to quickly say the reason why. It's all because of Jesus. I pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.